0: Come here because you want the dirt. You want the scoop on the biggest scandal in college sports right now, and I'm going to give it to you. But it has nothing to do with Michigan. Michigan we'll talk about later, but we got a couple of rules around here. One of them is don't lose to food, and Pate State doesn't play rice this year. Uh, The other rule is just say no to fall weddings. It gets in the way of everything. No one likes them. Even half the people in them don't like them. And so we speak from what I thought was a mountain of a little bit of moral superiority on this. And then all of a sudden, I get blindsided by treachery the other day. Our very own producer, some would think he's trying to start at quarterback for Utah, but no, 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 no. In real life, producer Jesse just helps produce the show, or we thought he did. And then all of a sudden, knock on the door, and it's Jesse, and he says, I'm out. Jesse's no longer with us. He didn't die, and he didn't get fired, at least not yet, Uh, but he chose a fall wedding. Not even to be in one himself, mind you. He is participating in one as a groomsman. So the company thought it best to bring in one of those sketch artists, not an artist who is sketch, that would be Jesse, to bring in a sketch artist and just have me share my feelings. And this is what resulted from it. If you're listening on podcast, I really can't do it justice. It's a bus. It's speeding towards Jesse and I'm in the driver's seat. Probably one of those England buses because cause I'm on the other side. I'm disappointed to say the least, but producer Belchi is is taken over. Director Collins in here. I think even Grishy is in here because he's responsible for this wonderful artwork. So I appreciate those who stuck around. Those who stay will be champions. That's what they told the SMU players just before they got demolished after the scandal there. We're jam-packed high atop an anxious downtown Nashville, Tennessee, because Jesse going to the wedding is not the only scandal. As it turns out, there's been some stuff happening at Michigan. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about this, but boy, oh boy, we got three or four stories that just broke today. And so, yeah, I got some new thoughts. I swore to you I would only lead the show with Michigan if I had new thoughts and new information emerged. We have both of those boxes checked, but we've got upset alerts to talk about in week nine. Everyone's just going to assume Texas wins this weekend, assume Ohio State wins. Half my Buckeye fans don't even know they play Wisconsin Saturday. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, Cole Kublik has made a mysterious reappearance, and we'll have him on the show a little bit later. Good conversation with him. Caleb Williams, despite adults in the room advising him to sit out the rest of the year, is going to continue to play. We're going to talk about that. Is there anything that trips up Georgia between now and Atlanta? All that. I got several added best bets. We got a jam-packed show tonight. They're watching us in Laredo, Texas, Grand Rapids, Michigan, St. Louis, Missouri, Los Angeles, or Los Angeles, California. Uh, it's going to be a very, very exciting weekend for us. I am flying down to Jacksonville tomorrow. We got like really, really um, expanded coverage in in addition to the Once Upon a Saturday tour this Saturday at Georgia, Florida down in Jacksonville. So make sure you're following on the gram at Late Kick Josh, number one, because that's where Friday Night Lines airs exclusively, courtesy of FanDuel. And number two, I'll get you all sorts of behind the scenes stuff you otherwise wouldn't see Saturday. So that's for this weekend. Let's pop. Let's ceremonially pop the paper. Here we go. The Michigan thing just continues to spiral and spiral and spiral. I know most of you have lives to live and jobs to go to or school to attend. And so, you know, you may be settling in for the evening. What did I miss today? Well, Pete Thamel, ESPN. NCAA is now on Michigan's campus investigating and questioning coaches. Detroit Free Press, NCAA looking into the electronics of Michigan staffers. Ross Dellinger, Yahoo. TCU knew about the sign stealing in last year's playoffs and created dummy signals. Now, I know some of you who played the game or coached the game or just know the game know that that pretty much happens every game anyway. Dummy audibles, dummy signals. And so, yes, there is... There is a fair amount surrounding this entire ordeal of big deal. I've heard that a lot. So, how big a deal is it? Well, I think that's the number one question that we need to ask here. But not how big a deal is it? How big a story is it going to be? You may think those two sound the same. They're not. So, right now, we're, we're in what I call headline hurricane warning territory. Headline hurricane is a term I've used on the show before. That's that thing where if, for instance, if someone, if, if one person walks up to you and says, Bradley stole a pair of jeans, you say, that sounds about like Bradley, shame on Bradley. But if a hundred people yell, Bradley stole a pair of jeans, it sounds so much more serious. And people who are in a capacity to punish Bradley may take it a lot more serious. And here's the other thing. When a bunch of people are screaming the same thing, you've got to really go above board with how you think atonement should be handled. Suspend. Uh, No, 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 no. Fire them. No, lock them up. And that's the territory we're now approaching with this whole Michigan sign stealing scandal. Notice it's not one entity. It's not just Ross Dellinger. It's Ross Dellinger over here. It's the Detroit Free Press. Washington Post had a big expose last night. FAMIL's got something new every three or four hours. Rarely, I mean rarely, in sports or anything else, do this many people get fixated on you in media and, and you just get out scot-free. Now, if I'm a Michigan fan, I know how you guys feel. You feel like you're getting railroaded. You feel like you're getting screwed in this you feel like a lot is being made and you're being made to be the face of something that probably is more widespread than anyone wants to admit. Um, my response to that is I agree, agree, agree and agree. And yet it may not matter. It may not matter because I'm not responsible for handing down sanctions on these sorts of things. But the other thing I just want to talk about for a second, because this is how I've spent the majority of the last two days, at least on this front, is I got a lot of people coming to me saying, bro, Do you know how serious this Michigan thing is or, bro, how serious is this Michigan thing? Well, that's the question, isn't it? How serious is it? It doesn't matter how serious I think it is. See, here's the thing. You may not think it's serious. I may think they ought to be sent to Guantanamo for it. And neither of our opinions matter because we're not in an authoritative position. Really, at the end of the day, whether you read Pete Thamel or Dellinger or Detroit Free Press or, you know, the, the Harris County Journal-Constitution comes out with a new story, since everyone else seems to have one. All that matters at the end of the day is what does the NCAA think? What does the Big Ten think? And I happen to believe, still on guided word, that the College Football Playoff Committee may look around and if no one else does anything, they may just take it upon themselves to become judge and jury on this. Hopefully not, because that would be ludicrous. How serious is it? That's really the unknown. I've done a million radio hits last two days. That's what I keep coming back to. How serious is it? But I'm leaving it open-ended. I I I think it's fairly serious. I certainly think everyone who's out there banging the drum of everyone does it is very misguided. Everyone doesn't do it to this extent. You're crazy if you think everyone does this. I also am very curious how this entire how this entire venture was really funded. Because it wasn't from a dude making 55k a year. Uh, th- of that I am fairly sure can't prove it but of that I am fairly certain so you know there's some very very big red flags that that have to be pulled down off the pole before anybody starts to feel halfway decent about where Michigan is here but how serious is it it doesn't matter if one person is yelling about your offense or 100 people are yelling about your offense it doesn't change the severity of the offense that's what I keep going back to because I've watched this happen when it comes to recruiting scandal before. You know, if you, most, of, most NCAA investigations you don't even know about. Some of them you do. And the ones you do are made to be much bigger deals. But in reality, what you don't know is you're seeing one example over here that they've dealt with 50 other times and the sanctions were, were mildly punitive at best. But because there's so much attention on this one over here, You think some university gets off light when they get the same very, very minor punitive actions taken against them. And the reality is, no, that's just the letter of their law. That's kind of how their sanction scale said they should handle it all along. So, what does that sanction scale say about something that, as far as we know, they've never had to punish for? It could be that they look at it the same way Major League Baseball and Bowie Kuhn looked at Pete Rose. Or it could be that they look at it and say, I mean, yeah, it's bad, but what are we going to do? Are going to drop the hammer on an entire university because they were stealing some signs? Fire the dude, clean things out. Maybe Harbaugh's there next year. Maybe he's not. If he is, fine him. He should have known even if, he, even if he didn't know. Uh, I could go either way on that. I have no clue which way they're going to go. And I don't think, at least from 99% of the peanut gallery out there, I don't think there's any guided skill in anticipating which way they're going to go on this. I've got my feelings like you do. I feel like there are a lot of clouds over the university right now. I don't feel like it's going to end very well for Michigan. That's just a feeling I have. It's not like I have, you know, NCAA enforcement on line too. Seems like some other folks do. Uh, But I, I am not one of the entities the NCAA decides to leak things to for whatever reason. Have we covered that organization on the show a time or two? I don't know. Um, Look, some other things that I just want to hit right quick. (sighs) I have a beloved, beloved coach that texted me a little while ago, and I have not answered him back, so I'm going to answer him on the show now. He hit me up and said something to the effect of, have you noticed that no football people are really making that big a deal of this? Um, That's not entirely true. It's just that not many of them have gone on the public offensive for reasons I'll talk about in a second. Not many of them have gone on the public offensive. Now, remember in the, in the world of tampering, about a year ago when everyone was complaining about tampering in the transfer portal with NIL and stuff, and I came on this show and said, I'm not taking it serious until one of you puts your name out there publicly and calls other coaches out by name. Y'all all want to say everyone's doing it. Call them out. Well, Pat Narduzzi did, and, and I gave him a hat tip on the show. Pat Narduzzi was the only one with the stones to specifically go on record and specifically call out USC and Lincoln Riley because he thought they stole Jordan Addison, and lo and behold, a cycle later, Pat Narduzzi was on record as saying, no, we didn't have any problem with tampering this time around. It's almost like going on the offensive works. Well, you haven't heard any coaches publicly start shaming Michigan. I've had some of them do it privately. None of them have done it publicly, which leads me to my next point. Ross Dellinger has a really interesting story over on Yahoo late this afternoon. TCU was so aware of the sign stealing operation that Michigan had put in motion that they got tipped off by other coaching staffs and they used dummy signals. And as you know, they went on to beat Michigan in the semifinal. Was it because of that or not? just to say. But the obvious follow-up there is, wow, this was so well known that other staffs were tipping off each other when they were going to play Michigan. If it was so well known, why didn't we know about it? If it was so well known, why hadn't other coaching staffs put this way out in front of the public? Why did it have to be uncovered in the manner it was uncovered? And the answer is probably one of two things. Either they didn't think it was a big enough deal or they themselves were engaged in the practice to some degree. And I would imagine the reason you didn't see other coaching staffs come to the forefront with this is probably the same reason they don't call each other out by name when it comes to tampering. Because if I know three days from now, I may have to do a little light tampering myself. I'm not calling you out today for tampering. Now, that's just me putting two and two together. What, what am I? I'm just sitting here in a studio in Nashville with, you know, maybe a few well-placed sources, but by and large, I don't think you need to know anyone on the inside of the college football bubble to assume some of the things I just said are true. But I think that you will continue to see details come out about this. The whole FBI involvement from Matt Weiss's computer thing from like, it feels like years ago, but it was earlier this year. Like, if you don't remember that, they had to fire a guy up there, and, and it was for things that were found on his computer. And now, lo and behold, today you find out the FBI has been working with university police because they believe they were very, very serious infractions. We're not talking about of an NCAA nature either, it sounds like. Uh, you can do your own math on that. And so you've got all sorts of acronymed uh, outfits on campus. you got the FBI up there. you got the NCAA up there. SEC teams never travel up there. Maybe the Securities and Exchanges Commission travels up there. So it doesn't feel like things are going to end well for Michigan. But that doesn't mean anything more than I've just got a bad feeling about it. I know, I know, I know. It would greatly behoove our social team if I were to bang the gavel on the table and just tell you Michigan's cooked. Maybe they are. But I'm not ready to go on record and say that yet. What I am ready to go on record and say is... uh, you know, as long as the FAA comes through for us, we will be in Jacksonville tomorrow night. I will do Friday night lines from an obscure hotel room somewhere in the greater Jacksonville area. And then Saturday, the once upon a Saturday tour will be over at, uh, Belchie. What's the name of that stadium now? TIAA stadium, whatever the one in Jacksonville. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun there. But about 72 hours from now, the t-shirt that commemorates this trip will cease to exist in the PateStateMaterial.com store. So there's a picture of it. If you're listening on podcast, use Theater of Your Mind, the Once Upon a Saturday Tour. I can guarantee you it's the only stop we make in Jacksonville, Florida this year. And Georgia, Florida only happens once a year. And there's no guarantee that we'll be back at that game next year or the year after that or the year after that. So if you want that t-shirt, one week only, it's available. PateStateMaterial.com. Those are moving very well this week. And I appreciate you guys for that. Very well. All right. So we're going to talk about this in a second. I, I got, listen, when Kubelik joins the show later, we're going to go pretty in depth on whether not just Florida could beat Georgia, but can Missouri get him? Can Ole Miss get him? Can Tennessee get him? I think Georgia folks know that they've got a challenging stretch ahead. They still fully intend to be in Atlanta, Georgia come December. I think Bama fans feel that way. LSU fans starting to feel that way. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a $10,000 Academy gift card and tickets to the SEC championship game. That's what I want for you, regardless of who or whomst you root for. All you got to do, if that interests you, if $10,000 in Academy gift cards and two SEC championship game tickets interest you, just download and log into the Academy app. That's it. Doesn't cost you a dime. And um, it's an actual competition. I'm not just making this up on the fly. It is available in all its detail at academy.com if you are so interested. It is void in Hawaii, Alaska, New York, California. Contest ends November 18th. So I'm putting that on your plate, and I'm also encouraging you guys, if you like the fact that this show is free, Academy Sports and Outdoors is the reason that it's free. They are our partners. They are our ride or dies, locked arm in arm, always hooking you up. Big league chew to basketball goals and everything in between. And if you can't get there in person, academy.com has you hooked up. They always do and they always will. Thank you so much. All right, speaking speaking of games happening this weekend. Let's just dive into some of these here, shall we? It's time to break out the old upset alert meter. Scale of 1 to 10, how concerned am I for the favorites in these games? And we'll talk about the game we're going to be at. Florida Georgia. We did the full game breakdown. It's available on the channel if you want it. But I I'm thinking, what path does Florida have? Like, what has to happen for them to win this game? The thing about rivalry games is it's not that there are never upsets, but the, the path to winning a rivalry game rarely includes your opponent overlooking you or, or your opponent not being up for you, which is the case in some other weeks. But rivalry games, you at least assume both teams are up. Both teams are fully focused. So if you win probably due to other reasons. So if Florida wins this thing, uh, Graham Mertz goes off, or maybe Georgia really can't operate like they're very confident they can, and I promise you, very confident they can without Brock Bowers. They didn't take a lead until the fourth quarter of the Auburn game. South Carolina led them 14-3 to at the half. They didn't pull away from Vandy last week. Now, Georgia fans have reasons they could give you for all that, and maybe they're all valid. I'm just saying, once you start to get a body of work, and I can look and poke holes here, 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 and here. If I'm looking for an upset, that's, that's all I got. What else am I going to do? Am I going to tout Florida losing to Utah early in the year? Getting spanked by Kentucky? No. I'm looking at their win against South Carolina, looking at the fact that they won against Tennessee at home, and then I can nitpick Georgia. Florida, last two games, 38 points, 41 points. So anyway, the line on this thing at FanDuel is 14 and a half. My concern, my upset meter is at about a six on this game. Because I think Carson Beck is going to play or have an opportunity to play at the highest level he's played at all year. They're going to put him in position to, George is not going down to Jacksonville to hide Carson Beck. I can promise you that. And so whether they win or lose, it'll largely be on the shoulders of Carson Beck. But I also think they feel like they've got guys on that roster, receivers and elsewhere, to more than make up for the slack that Brock Bowers leaves. If they don't, Florida will end up being right in this game at the end of the fourth quarter. And I think Florida can be competitive anyway. I don't think this is going to be a blowout, but I am, I'm putting about a six and a half on the upset alert meter there. What about this game in Lawrence, Kansas? What about Oklahoma going on the road? They got Bedlam in two weeks. They got Oklahoma State last one for the foreseeable future in two weeks, but now they're a nine and a half point favorite on the road at Kansas. Their last two games, obviously they beat Texas by four. They had to come and beat, and I think they came from behind. Did, or did they come from behind with the UCF game? They beat them by two. No, I don't think they came from behind. They beat them by two. They had a bye week in between there. So at least lately, hadn't exactly been pulling away from teams. Are they going to pull away from Kansas? We, we know that Jalen Daniels is not starting at quarterback for them. Oklahoma's allowing the fewest points per game that that program has allowed in the last 20 seasons. So we asked all spring, summer, is Brent Venable's defense really going to be Brent Venable's defense? Yeah, yes, it is. They've held the opponent under 400 yards in six of seven games. So if they score early, if it looks like they're clicking offensively, you may be in for a long day. Kansas was minus two turnovers last week. And sometimes, as you know, with that whole Clemson-Miami dynamic a couple of weeks ago, that may set you up for a very disproportionately tilted result the following week. If they come home where they've they've been pretty good at home, Oklahoma has lost five of their last seven in Big 12 play on the road, and they invert the turnover dynamic, that's how you get the upset here. My nervousness, my upset meter level is also at a six and a half for this game. I lean Oklahoma solidly, but six and a half. Anything can happen up there. Brigham Young is at Texas. No one's talking about this. You're actually talking about the Texas quarterback situation more than the game itself this weekend. You're talking about the fact that Malik Murphy looks like he's going to start more than who he's going to start against. And for decent reason, Brigham Young hasn't done a whole lot this year to catch your eye. This is a four on the upset alert meter for me. I, I think it would be more vulnerable a spot for Texas had they not struggled last week. But they almost got beat by Houston last week. So Quinn Ewers goes down, they almost get beat. That grabs your attention, is what it does. So you come home, and I can guarantee that coaching staff's dialed in because they know they got one more game to get things right with their backup before Kansas State comes to town and a rejuvenated Kansas State, might I add, comes to town. So I'm at a four on the upset alert meter here. The other thing is, for all the talk about the quarterback position, there's some other things that haven't felt quite right with Texas. They've done some different stuff in the secondary, a little bit softer. They've they've struggled with health at their pass rush. And so if those dynamics are still a problem, and for whatever reason, Malik Murphy just, just plays average or struggles with turnovers, and you let BYU come in there, Keaton Slovis just needs one game, just needs to perform at a high level one game. If you can't get home and you can't affect him, He's got the arm talent. If you're giving them what Texas has been given in the secondary, they can make enough plays. They got good enough players to keep it well within 18 and a half. So I'm going to put a four on it and keep a close eye. Ohio State at Wisconsin. Yes, they're going to play a game this week. No, you're not just going to get to sit at home Saturday and scan your message board if you're an Ohio State fan and look for updates on Michigan that there actually is a game against a fairly formidable opponent and especially a formidable head coach in Luke Fickle this week. Ohio State is a 14 and a half point favorite at FanDuel right now. At FanDuel, they are the second odds on favorite to win the Big Ten right now behind Michigan. Wisconsin, for the record, is number three, albeit a distant three. But Wisconsin is still the next team up there. Ohio State has 35 straight wins against unranked opponents. I don't have JP poll data because it doesn't go back that far. The thing about Ohio State that gives me a lot more confidence is I fully think they could go score 23 points and win this game. That may be enough. So my upset alert meter is at a five because I, I worry about distraction. They may not be distracted at all. They may be totally locked in, focused, but this Michigan thing has sucked a lot of oxygen out of the room up in the Big Ten and players care about it even though they say they don't. Coaches absolutely care about it and they won't even say they don't. They, they're not lying about it. They do care about it. Are they locked in? They're locked in. They should be okay here. Slugfest of a game. Uh, Brayden Locke at quarterback for Wisconsin is not my focus here. He needs to not lose that game for them. But Braylon Allen's got to just have a a Lions performance at running back. And Wisconsin's got to step up. They got five passing touchdowns this year. That's the fewest in FBS. So quarterback's probably not going to be where it's at. Turnovers, really ugly game, run the ball, do really well in the red zone offensively, keep them out of the end zone defensively, and let the chips fall where they may. I'm putting a five on the upset alert meter for that game. I read you a lot of odds there. Some of you, in fact, the closer we get to every weekend, many of you hit me up and you'll say, where can I go to bet? I want to bet some of these games. So I'm always careful with my advice, even as FanDuel has partnered with us. I always tell you, be smart about it. And I always tell you, make sure you're not putting anything in that account you can't afford to lose. Uh, FanDuel, though, is my preferred destination, and they have partnered with us. So I've told you that before. I have vested reason to tell you now, but I wouldn't be lying to you about that. Now, listen, you need to know something. When you're a new customer at FanDuel, you don't just hop in there and say, all right, I'm ready. They'll welcome you in. Of course, they'll welcome you in. You bet $5 right now, and you, uh, well... Let me, let me read it the right way because I don't want to mislead you. New FanDuel customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, which is, which is the best kind of proposition you can have. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash CFB promotion. If you don't feel like typing that in, there is a link in the show description right now. So if you're going to go over there, make sure you get some free money as you go over there. Make sure you click that link. That's how they track it. That's how they know that we sent you. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800 800- 327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text N Y in New York. And in that vein, if you're interested in a little action over there, it's time to add some best bets aboard the Ramen Noodle Express. Now, I'll add several more tomorrow night when we do Friday Night Lines. But in the meantime, let's remind you what we have already. Iowa State plus one and a half. You, that number has been all over the place right now. I think as of about two hours ago, I saw it at FanDuel, Iowa State was minus two and a half. We locked it in on Sunday. It's important to watch every show. Coastal Carolina plus three and a half. We also locked in on Sunday. I didn't give you anything on Tuesday. I got three of them for you tonight and we'll have several more tomorrow night. So first one up, Miami of Ohio. We are taking them plus 7.5, widely available, including at FanDuel. Tennessee, minus 3.5. They're playing Kentucky at Kentucky. We got Tennessee by 8. Something has to give there. And North Texas, plus 7.5. So a couple of favorable numbers there with the dogs. Now, remember, as Colin takes this full screen so everyone can see it, remember, that is not complete. I don't know how much I have to stress this, A lot of people don't tune into Friday Night Lines and they think that's it right there. That's a good starter for us. Sometimes I add half a dozen more games on Friday Night Lines. At Late Kick Josh, it's as simple as that. Follow on Instagram. You'll see when I go live on Friday nights. I give you a heads up about an hour beforehand so you know exactly what time to be there. I'm usually about a minute late, grace period. So there you see it, Friday Night Lines, tomorrow night at Late Kick Josh. Make sure you follow on Instagram. And now, look who's showed back up on our doorstep, child in hand to garner sympathy. It's Cole uh, Kublik. Cole Kublik is back on the show. Cole cuts still a thing. Um, You haven't been here in in the better part of a month. Uh, What do you have to say for yourself?
1: Uh, uh, Negotiations obviously went well, first and foremost. So uh, thank you to your team for that. And then um, don't have a Wednesday night game. So yeah. that also helps how not many, flying back from El Paso or Miami. How sits. many
0: cities, how many airports did you keep count?
1: We were um, in 15 days. We had 11 airports and we flew on 11 of 15 days. The amount of airports, I, I think that was also 11. I'm, I'm not 100% sure.
0: What is El Paso? What, what is El Paso Airport like in October?
1: A lot of Halloween decorations, by the way. Yeah. Uh, like life-size Stay Puft Marshmallow Man inflatable, which was great. Um, more than I expected. I'll say that. Mm. Right. People of El Paso, fantastic. Sun Bowl, mark it off the list. Places I had wanted to visit.
0: Good. So, we'll talk about and that. Thumbs up. Yeah, so. we'll talk about yeah. that later, actually. All right, so you won't say Sun Bowl. Oh. All right, so we got like a backlog. So we just need to start firing them off. What have you come to the table with tonight?
1: Right, well, first off, Brennan Walker wanted to say hello to you. Uh, down at El Barrio, not Brandon, not not no, not Brandon. Oh, Brendan oh. Walker, server at El Barrio downtown Birmingham. Approached my wife and I the other night. Big fan of the show. So I just want to give him a shout out.
0: Okay. So Brendan, I
1: have had like 50 of those the last two weeks at all the games I've been at. No one them. knows me for cube show anymore. No one knows me for McElroy cubic in the morning. Uh, paid state.
0: Hey, what is, what but is, yeah, C- notice
1: I'm not on anymore. So
0: what is cube show? Remind me again. What is, remind the people what that is
1: it's you don't even need to know that what you need to know is there's a guy out there that does this podcast Mm -hmm. that's what you need to know thank you and maybe you'll find it maybe you won't that's really it
0: good deal well uh brendan a redeemable human being Pate state golf clap for you okay now with the pleasantries out of the way what have you brought to the table tonight all right
1: first thing i want to start off with is i was going to go jp poll here Mm -hmm. but then i saw it and i said we can't actually reference that because that is garbage so we're going to go the AP poll, and yeah, some of the team I don't even, if you want to excuse it based on your mathematicians that are putting that together, that's great, but it's some of it's inexcusable. The lowest ranked AP team you still think can win a national championship. Okay. That's what I want to start with for you today.
0: Well, first off, it's the model, it's not me. Secondly, I had to pull the AP poll up. And I think even if you went JP or AP poll, I think the answer is the same team. So right now in the JP poll, I got North Carolina 20th, which admittedly I think is a little bit low. The AP has North Carolina at 17. North Carolina can still win a title. Not that I'm favoring them. They legitimately can do that. They they have a strong enough quarterback. They've fortified their lines of scrimmage enough so they could be in this picture. Below them... What am I looking at? I, USC's got two losses. They're not going to win a title this year. And I don't know. Air Force, I mean, do, do we take Air Force seriously in the national title conversation? I don't. Salute Air Force. I don't. So I'm going North Carolina. Uh,
1: I'm, I, I love the fact that Drake May could get there and potentially take over a couple of games. I like their schedule the rest of the way. Yes, they're at But I think it's more than manageable. I think they have Campbell up next. Uh, so they can they can absolutely get there with what's ahead of them, what the ACC is. I still just think lack of balance and the defense not on par to where it needs to be to win two of those games. Get there, yes. Win two, no. So I'm going to stop at 15 and say LSU, maybe the most dynamic offense in the country. I would have loved to have gone 16 and say Missouri. I just feel like there's a little something missing with Missouri right now. If we're talking about winning a national title, uh, Brady Cook hasn't been as good the last couple of weeks. I love the run game. They get the stretch play going. The offensive line is playing good football. Armand Membu at right tackle, by the way. You guys need to watch him. He's a lot of fun to watch. No national championship caliber. over receiver. Disruptive D-line. Like I said, there's a lot to like. LSU, another world offensively. And maybe going more even front, bringing Pete Jenkins in, not being a yard off the football. Maybe some of that stuff works for that defense. And that can actually just be enough for them if they were to get to that spot. They have some heavy lifting to do still on the schedule, but I'll stop at 15 and say LSU.
0: Well, that's wild that the AP has LSU at 15 while the JP poll has them at 8. It's almost like one group of mathematicians knows what they're talking about and another group's just sports writers who wrote LSU off a month ago. That's what it sounds like to me, and I'm unbiased. I have no dog in the fight here, obviously, other than one poll's named after me. Yeah. Um, you know what's going to be fun by the way CNN at
1: 15 also which well, is completely Hey, but I got odds
0: makers backing me up on this you will see in the coming weeks you will see hey you know what's going to be fun for everyone outside of Tuscaloosa if LSU beats Bama next week all of a sudden people are going to have to that won't be fun for people
1: in Tuscaloosa no it
0: won't it won't so so Abner from Abbeville will take it very tough but if they do that they're actually in the playoff conversation, and no one realizes that because they're a two-loss team, but if they don't lose again, that includes wins in Tuscaloosa, they got to beat uh, JP Top 15, Texas A&M, they will have beaten whoever, whoops Georgia, maybe in Atlanta. That's a playoff resume, especially when one of your losses is to Florida State. Like That's a playoff resume, and your other loss is to who? Ole Miss. Ole Miss is top 25 by any discernible metric. I don't think people realize that because they just assume Bama's going to beat them. Oh, by the way, the line on that thing's four and a half right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think resume versus ranking, JP poll and AP poll is way out of whack. Uh, I think Oregon State's resume is better than people give it credit for. I think Utah's resume is better than people – I think the Ole Miss resume is actually a little bit better than people give it credit for. There's a couple wins on there, like Tulane on the road, that no one's going to say is a good win, but I actually believe that it is. Uh, I think Louisville has a better resume than a lot of people are going to give them credit for. So there's still a lot of that – listen, it's always going to happen – the brand recognition and the logo that's going to put teams further ahead of maybe where they should be, but – the good news is a lot of these teams are going to play each other down the stretch. We got awesome football coming up the next couple of weeks.
0: Yep, which brings me to my next point. Um, you know the Georgia Bulldogs right now undefeated, and I don't know if you've heard, but they're defending champs. As if you could take it from them. So, what is w- w- what is the biggest threat? Are you of the opinion that Georgia's the biggest threat to Georgia, or do you look at the schedule and say, "Ooh, we got Florida and Missouri." and Ole Miss and Tennessee back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Maybe not quite the glorified high school schedule that people said it was in July. What's the biggest threat here?
1: It's a totally different schedule when you look at the back half now as when you and I sat here at the beginning of the season because at that point we looked at it and said, wow, they can go cruise control and then literally just take their hands off the steering wheel for the second half of the season. They don't even need cruise control. They don't even need a Tesla to have the autopilot. They'll just be fine through the back half of that schedule. And now you look at it and it's very different. Florida's a team, I do think they can pose some challenges. I don't really like Florida overall in the matchup to be extremely problematic. Missouri, some of the things that we just spoke about. You give me a disruptive defensive line, a quarterback playing good football, I can make a case for you to be in a lot of games. Missouri's going to bring that and a little bit more. Like an offensive coordinator that knows how to move his pieces around and put them in good spots, with yards after the catch guys and 50-50 ball guys, which that can be a little bit problematic against any secondary. But I think right now, it's Ole Miss. And before the season, that was very hard to believe because we thought we would be going into this stretch of the season and Ole Miss would be so beat up and have no depth left over, and they'd be hanging on by a thread, but it actually worked in reverse where Ole Miss was beat up the first three or four weeks of the season, and now they're actually getting some guys healthy. Would I like this matchup a lot more if we had a healthy, capable, desirable, or I guess I should say with desire Michael Trigg on the field? Yes, I would. But with Caden Priestcorn healthy, well, that young man right there, Trey Harris, healthy, and it looks like now the run game's starting to get going a little bit with Quinshawn Judkins and Ulysses Bentley, who no one talks about, who I actually think is a legitimate weapon for that Ole Miss offense, the way that Jackson Dart's making plays, the way he can run the football by design, leave the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, still make plays, I just think the way they can move the pieces, utilize tempo, and be able to spread defenses out and then try to attack you different ways, that defense is better than it's been. It's actually physically capable up front, which is, has not been for a long time. They're better off the edge at getting to the quarterback that they've been in a while. And as of right now, today, there is no Brock Bowers, and Georgia has some offensive line. I'm just going to say mild concerns. It's not a problem. I'm going to say mild concerns. And Pete, he may go in there and just go attack mode against that offensive line. So I think with the way Lane can dial it up, the weaponry that they have, it's Ole Miss that's the most problematic team left on the schedule. Now, I know there are certain other broadcasts out there they are going to take this and say that I picked Ole Miss to beat Georgia. Which by you 50, just did. That's exactly what I just heard. In the SEC yes. championship game, and then beat them by seventy the next time they play. But all I'm saying is, I think that is the most problematic team left for Georgia on the schedule.
0: You know, the other thing I always think about if you if a team loses a big time player, they just lost Brock Bowers. He won't be back in all likelihood for any of these games. They're going to play Florida this weekend you kind of have questions like, how will Mike Bobo and his offensive staff go about things without him? But it's still in future tense. All right, so then you'll see what they choose to do against Florida. By the point this game's played, and I agree with you, it's Ole Miss, by the way, so by the time that game's played, you'll see him against Florida, you'll see him against Missouri, so you'll have eight quarters minimum sample size of trying to get a feel for what they do, who's emerging, is anyone emerging, and so... I also think folks get fooled a lot when they just look back at a body of work. So Ole Miss right now, they got some close games they've played, especially earlier in the year, and that Tulane game was without Pratt at quarterback, so that's why people dismiss that one, I think. But people look at it, and they don't really connect that Ole Miss was less healthy in the beginning than they actually will be now, because it's so counterintuitive to the way football normally happens. But it doesn't matter what you've done. It's just that that, like, One Saturday, if everything comes together sort of deal. But also, I think the totality of this stretch is what I focus on. It's such a cop-out answer. But it could very well be that Ole Miss finds success because of what Missouri put on you. Or it could be that Tennessee bites you because of what the combination of Missouri and Ole Miss put on you. I I don't know, man. Like, if you had to bet right now, if it's a 50-50 proposition or whatever, Georgia over under 0.5 losses, through this coming four- or five-game stretch, what would you take?
1: I would bet the under still because we can sit here and talk about Missouri. We can talk Florida. We can talk Ole Miss. We can talk Tennessee. And I can give you more concernable items for those teams than I can give you from Georgia. And when you're just going through the situation there, no Brock Bowers, having eight quarters when Pete Golding's going to have to find a way to defend that offense, the first thing that popped into my brain is – Wow, Josh, what's going to blow up in our face is they're going to get eight quarters down the road, then they're going to get Brock Bowers, and they're going to know how to live without him, but now they actually have him. So then how do you defend it when they're pretty good not having him on the field, but then they can add him to whatever they've been doing for the last eight, ten quarters, whatever that is. So I actually don't think that any of those teams gets it done. I think they can be competitive. I think they can make it close. I think they can make it fun. But in the end, I'm just not going to go against Georgia with everything that they've shown us and the other places that they're going to be able to go, like I think Edwards is fine being a, a tailback that can get the ball 25, 30 times a game. Ryron Thomas has come on. We've seen Rosemary Jackson do some different things. Obviously, Dominic Lovett in the slot. They have other weapons they can rely on, and Carson Beck's playing great. So I just I have more concerns about the other teams than I do with Georgia.
0: Yeah, I do too. I, this weekend, I know internally they got a ton of confidence in just Beck being the guy who steps up in the absence of Brock Bowers. Um I don't know. I think I fall slightly towards the over. I think somewhere in that four game stretch, there's a loss. I just don't think there's any skill in choosing who it is. So, again, I, I also, am.
1: Also, keep in mind, Kirby Smart convinced that football team last year that they were going to lose four, that people thought they were going to lose four or five games. Yeah. So, having him convince that team that people think they're going to lose every one of these games is probable.
0: Sure. Yeah. Especially when you got folks like you choosing Ole Miss to beat him by 50. Um, so, hey, how about this? How about this whole deal with uh, Caleb Williams? So USC yeah, USC goes and loses a game. And then Caleb Williams says nothing about quitting or mailing it in the rest of the season. And then we got folks, full-grown adults who have actually played this game before who now make a living talking about it, suggesting things like, he should quit. He shouldn't play anymore. Love that competitive spirit, by the way. Uh, Caleb Williams, since then, has come out via the LA Times and said, "No, I'm I'm going to keep playing, man. We got to keep fighting. That's what you do. I'm a competitor." So Caleb Williams having the audacity to continue to play an organized sport that he committed himself to. What did you think about this whole ordeal cuz I had a lot of thoughts the other night?
1: I think we were all reaching our boiling point when Macho tweeted out the other night, and I, I, I know Emmanuel, so I, I don't really care. And he knows I would disagree with this, and that's fine, so I don't really care. And he can think what he thinks, and I'm going to think what I think, and you're going to think what you think. And we're pretty much aligned on this. But there's so much of it that gets lost in the mix of suggesting what one individual should do, first off, not even knowing what that individual wants to do. At the very base of this, on the on the bottom floor, like the the – not we haven't even started to you know put the cinder blocks down like just the dirt that we have smoothed over. Playing college football in general is really earmuffs f- fun. All right, now imagine playing college football. I can guarantee you, it's a lot of fun. It's really fun. Imagine being the best at what you do and then playing college football and being at the epicenter of media and entertainment on planet earth how much fun that would be so to think that a 21 22 23 year old kid would just say yeah you know what i'm gonna pass on that fun i don't even think i want to be a part of that anymore why why would i do that and to say that not winning a heisman trophy or a national championship is a part of not dressing out and playing anymore how many football players would have actually ever put a uniform on this season 20 percent Max, max, maybe more like 16 14% ever even dresses out for a game. And then fast forward to where we are right now. You and I just went through a couple title contenders. Some ranked a little lower than maybe other people would give them a chance for. How many kids are dressing out this week? Three teams, five teams, eight teams? We can't just have winning a Heisman or winning a national championship be the only thing that we play for. The other part that really bothered me is when we begin to have these discussions about value Mm -hmm. and earning potential and what's in front of you, because I played offensive line in college. And if I would have had a quarterback that had a chance to go on and earn money in the NFL, I would have felt like that myself and Mike Pacillo and Hart McGarry and Kendall Simmons, we have a little hand in that value. And what if we were the ones that were going to be just scratching and calling to go try to make a practice squad? Does our film look better with Caleb Williams? Or does our film look better with second, third, fourth string quarterback, whoever the hell else is going to be thrown in there? Probably looks a lot better with a guy that we know can direct the offense at an elite level. So why should he not help us increase our value? If if that's the the direction we're going, which I never cared about it that much because I didn't think I had a whole lot of value as a college football player. But I would have loved to have helped my guys had the most value possible. But I would also like to think that they would like to help us out down the road when we had helped them. Create whatever value that that is so it's the ultimate team sport and the individual side of this that we've decided to lean on and talk about and be the only thing that we care about it's disgusting to be quite honest with you because it's not why any of us ever go into it and then we could even keep going further down the road of now i've seen him on heisman house commercials i've seen him in the dr pepper commercials i've seen him doing other things you got those deals because you play college football right yeah so you're just going to say don't care about that. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't owe you anything. I'm just gonna go do me and we're gonna move on. So I'm I'm proud of him for taking the stance that he did and saying the things that he did, but the suggestions are not gonna stop, Josh. It's not just gonna be him. We're gonna have more guys that are playing at an elite level that have a chance to go make a lot of money. The bowl games are one thing, but we knew this day was coming. Mm-hmm. And we are we are nearing a point when player on relevant team that cannot win a conference or national title. I mean, I'll be honest with you. We've already had it. We just haven't heard it this way. Correct. We've already had it happen, and there are some that are still discussing it right now. But there's going to be a kid that comes out and just says, "I'm about to make too much money, man. I'm not wasting my time with these guys anymore. Sorry." And they're going to go start. You know, they're going to go to EXO's or whatever it is and start getting ready for the draft.
0: Yeah. Here's the other fun part. Uh, not fun, but but fun in a not fun way. And follow me here. So if you want to talk value. I I will throw up in my mouth, but you want to start talking value and you want to start saying, well, now that he can't win a Heisman or now that he can't win a national title, it doesn't make financial sense. Business decision. And my question would be, if you're telling me Caleb Williams is in line to make nine figure money in the NFL, which he is over the span of his career. So let's just put the number at a quarter billion dollars he could end up making. Well, why did he play, period? Why play your junior year, period? I had folks telling me, we, we all heard the mock draft community telling us he would have gone number one overall in the draft last year if he came out. So we'd already crystallized his value, so to speak. A Heisman trophy is not worth a quarter billion dollars. So why chase it to begin with? A national title is not worth half a billion dollars. Well, why chase it to begin with? So, I'd love to know where that imaginary line in the sand is like, well, it doesn't make sense financially after you decide you can't win a Heisman or a national title. Neither of those things is worth the kind of money you're talking about to begin with. The way I view it is everything about this is born out of competition. Like everything about how much money you can make, everything about the fun you have, the brand you have, all that is a branch or branches off the tree of competition. Without competition, you have none of it. it. That's what it all grows from. And so If you start talking about keeping the branches, but sacrificing the tree, Meemaw was an excellent gardener. Okay. By the time I was four years old, I knew you couldn't have one without the other. And so you may say, well, Josh, that sounds good. But of course, Caleb Williams could forego his senior season or junior season and make it in the NFL. It's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you reveal something about yourself, which he hasn't like to, to be clear. He's choosing to play. But in the future, we will have high-profile players that end up opting out, and I'll tell you what contributes to it. Same thing that contributed to bowl opt-outs. When we instituted a college football playoff, that wasn't when the opt-outs started happening. The opt-outs started happening after the adults in the room with microphones in front of them talking for a living started saying things like meaningless bowl games, and they started labeling any bowl game that wasn't part of the college football playoff as meaningless, and all of a sudden, the Leonard Fournettes of the world hear that for two or three years and say, if it's meaningless and I'm in line to make millions, why would I play? That's why I never got mad at the kids for opting out. I got mad at the adults for setting the precedent to call the bowl game meaningless. Like, It's not like God invented college football or bowl games. Man invented them, therefore man has to apply the value on them, and we all have to agree to it. If some of us start saying, actually, this thing we've played for a long time, no more value, why would you get mad at the players? for accepting what the adults in the room are saying. So that's why I get worked up when people who are paid to cover this sport start advising people not to play the sport they're paid to cover. I hope I haven't been unclear there. Um, let's move it on.
1: Almost almost like professionals who have moved on from being college basketball players that made their name and made their money by being great in the NCAA tournament, asking current players to sit out said NCAA yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: yeah that sort of thing. Uh, where do we want to go? Okay. So I have been, let's see this year alone. I've been to Husky stadium, never been there before. We'll go back. Awesome place. I, in the last couple of years, got to go to the cotton bowl for the first time, uh, Missouri this year, I went to it for the first time. So I've been to a lot of places that I'd previously never been. You cover games every Saturday night, but it's a lot of the same places because you're working for SEC Network. You played in some places out of conference, but by and large, you've lived an SEC life because it just means more to you. Where are the places? What are the (laughs) stadiums you haven't been to that you have on the bucket list? Because we know UTEP is no longer one of them. So we crossed the Sun Bowl off the list.
1: And it was beautiful, by the way. Uh, I would put it up there with Logan, Utah and Utah State. I would put it up there with Provo that I've also been to in the Rose Bowl of just some of the most picturesque settings you will ever get at a college football stadium. I have a lot on my list. I really do. And like you said, I've been pretty much focused in the southeastern portion of the United States. But I do have a couple that are towards the top of my list. You just mentioned one. Uh, Number three on my list would be Husky Stadium. Uh, that setting with Seattle way back in the background on the water, it it looks immaculate. Mm-hmm. And I've since I watched Steve Empman as a young defensive lineman at Homewood High School, I've just always had this little different sort of a love for Washington football. But I would love to go to a game there. And I remember I, I covered one of Jacob Eason's high school games and just the whole area is just so cool to be there. And his high school like stadium was like up on this little mountain and it was really cool. But anyway, Husky Stadium would be one. Uh, Definitely want to go to a game there. This is an easy one, uh, the Horseshoe. I have never been to an Ohio State home game. Uh, I have been to the big house, but not to a game there. But I have walked inside the stadium, as we have to adjust our viewing schedule here for some reason. I'm not sure we're not happy with what we're watching. Uh, So Ohio State home game would be another one. And I'm going to go off the radar here a little bit, but I'm, I'm not making a joke. This is not sarcasm. I generally... I'm so intrigued with this place and how it looks, how it operates, what it is. I want to go to a game at the Kibbe Dome. I want to go to the Kibbe Dome because it looks like an airport hangar. Yeah. It looks like, uh, like somebody flies their private jet into there and parks it or a giant barn that people park their tractors in when the season gets too cold to get outside anymore. Yet they play football in this place Mm -hmm. and it looks amazing. The stands are like four feet away from everything else. And that's number one on my list because it is—it appears to be more unique than any other college football stadium in America. Kibby
0: Dome, number one. You know what it looks like is the Columbus Civic Center in Columbus, Georgia. The Columbus Civic Center <laughs> is not—it's not an not all the way around arena. The Baltimore Arena, I think, is the same way. It's like it's a big wall and then kind of a C-shaped seating area. And that's what the Kibbe Dome is like. So, you know, Kibbe Dome, Columbus Civic Center, Baltimore Arena, one and the same, really. You know I've never been to a game at Oklahoma.
1: I'm sure Hacksaw Jim Duggan has performed in all of them. Yeah, and Mr.
0: Wrestler number 2, of course. I've never been to Oklahoma, never been to a game at Oklahoma. And I, I am fascinated by that. But when I think about it, they play Texas neutral every year, so that game never would have been there. And otherwise, they just haven't had a ton of marquee, home games since I've been doing what I've been doing, which is only the last few years. And so when they join the SEC, obviously that'll be a moot point, but I've never been to a game at Oklahoma and badly want to get over there. And another one that I don't think it's as off the radar as the Kibby Dome, but it's kind of off the radar. Texas Tech, I've been to Lubbock, but I've, oh. never, I've never been able to go to a game there. And see, I think I, in Texas, like high school football is obviously huge. And I've always felt like the culture at Texas Tech it's kind of like a mega high school town, but on steroids because it's a full college. And I think it's so out on its own, so isolated that it's it's got the best aspects of a cult with none of the bad aspects. So I love a good, solid, positively cultish feeling fan base because we have it at Pate State and people accuse us of cult-like behavior all the time. And I'm like, Thank you. And so I'm the same way with Texas Tech. I want to go out there.
1: <laughs> How could you not want to, based on the video reel you were just showing, you've got Yosemite Sam dressed up running around. You've got Zorro on his horse yep. riding around. I mean, who doesn't want to go there? It's sure. like Disneyland for adults, basically. And, I'm in. And, 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 I would love and to go.
0: prairie dogs, which I never saw growing up in west central Georgia, but prairie dogs are like, they're squirrels. They're all over the place. And you're like, you freak out when you get off the Greyhound bus. Was that a prairie dog? And they're like, yeah, that's one too. And that one and that one. So it's a great place out there. All right. I
1: wonder if you can name them out there because, you know, there's a squirrel running around the grove named Cole Kubler.
0: And those people, I'm told, are thrilled about that. Do you know, like, his whereabouts? Do they microchip those squirrels once you name them?
1: It can be anyone you want. So you could, there's not enough BBs on earth to get rid of Cole Kubrick, the squirrel, and the girl. Wow.
0: (laughs) Not that they would ever engage in that sort of activity for lunch or dinner. Um, Ask, all right, you you (laughs) you wanted to know about the whole thing we've learned. Ask this question however you want.
1: All right. So I, I just think every year in college football, there are big stories, there are micro stories that individually we come across, but we learn things every year. And you said it earlier, you go to games, you talk to people, you come across other people, you see things. What is your favorite story or favorite thing that you have learned in and around college football this season?
0: I have uh, learned a lesson about something that we learn in general every year, and that is a bunch of people are going to start saying things about the sport they know nothing about. So with the whole Michigan scandal blowing up, a lot of people have taken it upon themselves to inform me that everyone does that and it's the same way as when in recruiting you used to have allegations of impropriety and you know Gator Fan 67 would hop on the message board and say Everybody does this, but if you ever pressed these people to give you specific details, how do you specifically know everyone does it? They can't, because they don't have it. All it is is this, is this one big, giant pot of groupthink, which, in and of itself, I have no problem with, but sometimes when you pour what's in that pot out, it's just, it's a bunch of people have said something. Like, one person said something once upon a time. Everyone else heard it, and so everyone accepted it as truth. So, all of a sudden, over the past week, you got Michigan spending tens of thousands of dollars to send folks to games to record opposing teams for future use, signaling, and I'm being told, well, everybody does that. Everybody does what? Everybody buys tickets to go illegally, electronically surveil opposing teams? No, they don't. They absolutely don't. Josh, you're just making too big a deal out of this. I'm not investigating you, man. The private firm, whom Stever Hired, is. The NCAA is. I am very curious to see how the Big Ten maybe even the playoff committee responds to this, whatever happens, everybody doesn't do this. Just like when anything uh, not exactly above board happens, you can't always dismiss it by saying, well, you know, everybody's doing it everybody's not doing it. I promise you, everybody's not doing it. Now, whether you think it's a big deal, whether you think we should go electronic, microphone in the helmet to absolve us of all this, that's fine. But the bottom line is we don't have it right now. And in the meantime, you violated rules. There are people with access to grind against you. It is a witch hunt. I acknowledge all that. But if, if the <laughs> witches find what they want to find, they're going to tie you to the stake anyway. That's what's going to happen. And I think that's what's in the process of happening.
1: I don't appreciate you attempting to have all of us believe that this sorcery and witchcraft surrounding college football does not really exist. Because mm. there are magical potions and there are things that happen behind the scenes. And stop trying to make us believe that this uh, this underbelly magic of college football is not a real thing. Okay, yeah. we all need to know that these are the excuses that we use for why we don't our teams don't do what other teams yeah, everybody are doing, or at least as yeah. well. Yeah, everybody does it. We all do. We all do. Yeah. You want mine? You want my favorite? Yeah, I'd
0: love to have yours.
1: It's a little bit different. It's off course. Um, We covered Army LSU last weekend. And I won't give you all the details, but we actually talked about it a little bit on that podcast that that guy does um, this past week. There's an offensive line coach at Army named Mike Vitti. He played fullback at Army. He's coached fullbacks, offensive line. He's been assistant head coach. He's been in charge of... Alumni Affairs, he's been in charge of like high school recruiting. The guy's a lifer. He was a regimental commander when he played football. He was also a team captain. Regimental commander, there's only four at West Point, and you're over about a 1,000 cadets when you do that. Then I'm on the field talking to him because I want to try to learn a little more about him, and he tells me about how when he did that, oh, we, by the way, we were also at war. So these guys who he was had under his command while he was a cadet at West Point, while he was also a fullback at West Point, Six months, four months later, we're actually over in Afghanistan fighting for us. So then, past all of that, he decides to start Mike's Hike for Heroes after he's done playing and after he tried to get into the business world or whatever. And he was gonna hike a kilometer for every fallen soldier during the global war on terror. He walked 7,100 kilometers. It's, and you're, you're probably as bad as math that I am, mm. but i had to go do it, 4,400 miles. He walked from Washington to the Army-Navy game in Baltimore to honor the fallen soldiers that we had in the global war on terror. The guys just, there are cool people all over college football. There are amazing stories everywhere in college football. But rarely do I come across a story in an individual that just kind of knocks me off my feet when I hear about all of it. And I asked uh, Connor Finucane, their right tackle, about him. He said, number one, I wouldn't be here without him. He said, number two, he's a cultural heartbeat of our football team. I asked Coach Munkin about him and I said, is there an individual on earth that embodies Army football more than Mike Vitti? And he said, absolutely not. That guy is Army football. So I didn't know. I had, I remember watching him play. I knew a little bit about him as a former player, but I knew nothing of any of this extent about Mike Vitti before I covered that game last weekend. And I'm, I'm honored to know a little bit more of it now and it gives me a whole new respect for him and his teammates that he played with and the guys playing there right now. So that's that's the the coolest, most interesting, funnest thing that I've learned in college football this
0: year. That is, it's more awesome than anything you bring to the show normally. Naturally, it wasn't about you. That's good stuff. What's his name? Give me the give me the spelling of his last name.
1: V I T I. V I T A. Mike. Okay. They, they okay. have two offensive line coaches. He's one of them. Yeah. And, and, I, and here's the best part. So uh, I was telling Jordan about him and kind of sharing some of the story with him before I, you know, when talked to him. And then Jordan comes down to the field after they go to their, their deal in the booth. And Jordan's like, so where is this Mike Vita guy? I want to I talk to him too. And I said, when you see him, you will know. <laughs> because if you took a former Army fullback, now coaching offensive line out of central casting, it's this guy. Like the square-shaped head, yes. chin like chiseled out of concrete, buzz cut with like a little bit on the top, uh, you know, giant shoulders, little bitty ankles. Huge rear end, and Jordan turned over. He goes, that guy? I said, that's him.
0: Yeah, yeah, doesn't own short sleeves, Does has no need for them. That is, <laughs> that is wonderful. Um,
1: we were talking to him before the game, Josh, and he's like, I mean, I'm a fullback. You guys, I, I'm basically one of you guys, right? And I was like, you know what? We do welcome you to the family, just like tight end sometimes. I said, the difference was, you could take your shirt off and go to the beach and feel okay about things. Yeah. We could never do that. Yeah, That's the difference.
0: You know, what I could do is, I could take that guy's story and introduce it to the pot of groupthink over here. And those folks will say, yeah, everyone has one of those. That's what they would say to that. Everyone's got one. We all got one. Everyone's got one. Um, All right, so this is the one opportunity that I give you to not just be that dude with a podcast. You actually have 15 seconds to tell people what it's called, confirm it exists, and direct them to said show.
1: Cube Show is the podcast. We do talk about Mike Vita this week. It's right here on YouTube if that's where you're watching. Uh, at Cube Show 61, actually on the brink of a, the most viewed episode we've ever had. We're uh, we're knocking on that door right now. So if you want to go click on it, that would be great. At Cube Show Twitter and Instagram can follow on there. And uh, McElroy and Cubic in the morning, WJOX, 7 to 10 a.m. weekdays. There you go. DrFim.com.
0: That's all he has to say. That's all we have to say. Call Cubic. enjoy the road this week, sir.
1: Thanks for having me
0: and we appreciate it. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, he'll just talk, whatever. Uh, We are happy to have you guys along for the ride. Remember, we're about to fly down to Jacksonville tomorrow. We'll be there for Georgia, Florida, doing a full broadcast in the stadium if anyone finds us there in the mezzanine section. That's about as specific as I can get. Um, Remember, though, Friday Night Lines on these devices of ours at Kick Josh on Instagram. We'll go live there sometime Friday night, so just Keep your eyes peeled. I don't sneak it up on you. I give you a heads up about an hour ahead of time. Friday Night Lines, now proudly produced by FanDuel. Which means nothing changes. It's just we've got a little more wind in our sails. So make sure you're following on Instagram and Twitter, at LakeKickJosh for direct Colin. Nope, producer Belchi is in the driver's seat in there. Uh, the other guy that normally produces the show is just totally out of sight, out of mind right now. I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll be back Sunday. God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1 800 NEXT STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1 877 770 STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland.